I guess I'd like to help anyone that is experiencing this and just help them build resilience, basically. I feel like, yeah, with resilience, whether it's mental or physical, it doesn't really matter. Like, just little bits at a time, I'll, 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 yeah. I just want to help people very simply just build resilience and live the best life that they can possibly with the cards that they've been dealt. That's Will Plagarkis. Around a year ago, he lost his father, Stalios, to suicide. Will's dad was always his hero, and as he grew into a man, he was his best friend too. I felt like I actually got to know him. Like, I feel like um, before, it was just him telling me, you know, how to do life and stuff like that. But then he started to, once I became a man, he started to tell me about all like his like hectic stories from his past. Stalios endured decades of pain and mental distress caused by fibromyalgia that Will felt hopeless to help with. It was just like, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing, man. It was just not him. Like, I was just, I was like, what is happening? His death has had an enormous impact on his son, but it was his life that's made Will the man he is today. Welcome to Young Blood, an award-winning podcast on a mission to make the mental health of young men a top priority. My name's Callum McPherson, I'm a journalist, and this is our platform to open up and share stories of what we've been through because we're not alone. Let's do it. Trigger warning, if you find anything spoken about in today's episode distressing, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Will, how'd you view your dad growing up? Like a superhero, man. But he was like six foot four. Oh yeah, four I used to half. see him in the gym. He yeah. was a huge and, unit. And he was, um, yeah, jacked and very strong and stoic. And I just always viewed him as like nothing could ever you know bring him down because he went through like a lot of adversities um even when i was alive and would always get up and just keep moving and stuff so yeah i didn't really i've never really seen him fall until like you know the last year when he started to fall and he always had this thing because like our heritage is like from spartan from sparta sorry and he always used to say like uh you know you never back down or you never like you never give up because you know like yeah come from like this and you know that was a bit of cultural strength for us and yeah i don't know i was just yeah the warrior was, bloodline yeah so when i was growing up i always just seeing him was like a like a hero man so yeah that's good and how did it feel to be his son when you were a kid i felt like all of the time like lucky because like I always had this you had person cool to fall back on, like if yeah. something was going to happen, even, no matter what it was, like it was always, I just always felt safe, man. Like I never had, when I was at home, I never felt, I never didn't feel safe when he was there. Like, was he ever scary? Because he's a pretty imposing guy. And like to me. A Spartan, yeah. Did you ever feel scared of him? Only the times when he would lose it over pretty serious stuff. He would, um like the, one of the times when I was, because like him and mum, like mum is from English background and his background is from Greece and they had very different upbringings. And, you know, my papa was pretty much raised himself like he was a shepherd at 12 living in caves and stuff. And so, you know, bringing that, you could imagine the, the childhood yeah. my dad had. So it was very hard. And so I guess some of that came through. But mum, on the other hand, was like, you know, be kind, not right, like this. Okay. And this. So when I got, when I was bullied in uh, year nine, and I wasn't standing up for myself because I didn't want to get in trouble to be kind of right. My parents had different approaches. He had different approaches. And so, and he got sick of seeing like all this spit on my jumpers and stuff. Because you were naturally more like your mum as a, as a kid, like yeah, quieter, I, I, more I would say, I'd say so. Yeah. Mm. But then he said like, um, he told you to stand up for yourself. Yeah. He like, 
because this went on for like two terms. So this is just a very short version of it. But he said like, you know, cause to answer your question before I've ever been scared, he uh, threw me on the ground one time, said like, if I don't stand up for myself at school, like he'll hit me when I'm home. And it's like, I'm fucking more scared of him than, than at school. So, right. That's pretty so then when I went scary to, parenting right there. <laughs> yeah. But like at the same time, like he was still in hindsight, like in your nine, I was like, oh, what a dickhead for doing that. Like, but in hindsight, I'm actually grateful because like since then I've like always, I guess, held myself and I haven't ever been in a situation like that because I haven't ever let it escalate to that um, point. So I've never really been, you know, picked on since then and I think that was the he didn't want you to get walked yeah I think that was the message he was was in his own way he was trying to convey so (laughs) it worked and like I and in hindsight I do look back and I'm I'm grateful he did it because otherwise Mm. who knows yeah you'll probably deliver that message in a slightly nuanced way yeah probably in a bit of your kid but I understand the premise behind it yeah and he lives with fibromyalgia which is a chronic pain disease that also affects your sleep makes you mentally distressed as well how aware were you of that as a young kid? Very. Did you see that a lot? Yeah. Did he show it? Or he tried to hide it? or uh, He had a mental breakdown when I was in year two and I didn't really know what was happening. Well, maybe I was in year three, but somewhere around that age. And he was suffering from severe lack of sleep because of how much pain he was in. So he was in pain 24-7 uh, to the point where he was having to crawl to the toilet. and. Um, I didn't know at the time, but he had to get off work for a little bit. But then he ended up still working through it because he didn't want to use all his sick leave and stuff like that. So it got like, yeah, I was very aware because it went for a few years where I didn't even see him laugh. And I remember when the we watched the movie White Chicks and he laughed for the first time. It was just weird. Like I was like, I hadn't seen him laugh for so long because he was just always like in pain. Did he talk about it? Yeah, yeah because because of his height his uh his body was short but his legs were really long mm. so the the work desks and stuff they weren't really made for his dimensions and so it made his back like over the years just get super super cramped and then obviously like the gym you know that makes you tight as well so the two didn't probably go well so was that their best guess for what caused it it was mostly his desk at work yeah yeah that's why he got on work cover and all of that stuff. So, yeah, it got to him real bad because it lasted for about, well, pretty much until the end it was lasting. Like the last two years, it kind of calmed down a bit, but he was getting three hours sleep for like 15 years and that caused him to get cardio, cardiac myopathy where his heart just started failing and, you mm. know, he had to be put on the table and he uh, died on the table, I think, twice. So he was under all this stress and he was also the person that like was making like the money for the house as well. And so... And then with his view on life of being stoic and, and being the Spartan and this incredibly built provider who's being brought down by this condition that he doesn't have control over, that must have been really hard for him to cope with mentally. That You probably appreciate that now in terms of how that made him feel about himself, the fact that he'd built himself into this massive structure and he had this attitude about life but yet he was plagued by this condition every day yeah yeah it was he 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 was good in the sense as well though that he always said like not to make excuses so even through all of that like he would still be working his full-time hours 
and then he would come home, spend time um, with Victoria and I and like help us with our homework. Then when he would, he'd put us to bed, then he'd train for two hours and that's all on three hours sleep. He just, yeah, he didn't stop, man. He was, it's like he neglected us because he was sick. Like he still was, mm. he was still there the whole time. Did you see him enjoying life? Like did he enjoy uh, Not, not in primary school, man. Not much in primary school. Like if he had a good workout, he'd be a bit happier, but watching like spending family time like when it was just us like on a Saturday night he'd be happy but you know the rest of Monday to mm. Saturday was a very big grind because he was just in so much pain yeah but then in high school he started to he started to get better a little bit started to get happy again mm. but he battled with this stuff for a for a long 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 time what was it like for you to see that all the way through your life because you would have normalized it I guess yeah I used to find it weird when I went to friends' houses and like I remember that, like seeing their parents and stuff and how it's like there's not suffering and, and stuff like that. I used to think, yeah, yeah, I, it was, I, I, I normalised it. I just, yeah, I, I, I definitely normalised it. Like it seemed like others yeah. just had it so much easier. In, in the sense of like their, like their dads, like and how like that's because like dad, like at the end, like it's not his fault, but he couldn't, um, when I was young, like we couldn't go to the park and kick the ball a lot and stuff. And he had a real big regrets for that because he was just in that much pain, man. Wow. And that does stuff to you because like his biggest values were family. And so, yeah, it all fed into, you know, the end demise, I think from over like many, he still many went to the gym all that time. Yeah. Cause it helped him to, I think he would have been gone a long time ago if he didn't have the gym mm. i think it helped his like a uh, emotional state and everything yeah. like that big time and it was the only hobby he kept for himself the rest he was like very selfless you know sometimes if we'd have a family holiday and the house needed to be like painted or something rather than getting a painter he would sometimes yeah. just forgo the the holiday and just like paint it like, <laughs> you know just yeah. like yeah always putting himself last yeah, my dad's always been painting stuff whenever he had holidays or a bit of time yeah. off. He finds like some job to do and he's yeah. just doing that the whole time. But what was his take on the meaning of life? It changed. At the beginning, it was like, because obviously his parents, when they migrated here, they had a, uh, they didn't have a lot of money and so they had to work for their money and then they got money, but their philosophy was like I guess you know you gotta you know provide for your family and you know do the best that you can and not you know be wasteful and things like that so I guess dad originally um, indoctrinated those views and thought you know I gotta get a house you know provide a roof you know be secure financially and then be there for family but at the end he he changed because he had like paid off his house in the eastern suburbs like back when he was 28 which isn't like a small house like it was like it was it was decent, but he, he sacrificed everything to do that. Like he didn't, you know, go traveling. Didn't really have like you know heaps of life experiences like that. Mm. And he said at the end, he's like, he's like, you know, you know, you're told like when you're growing up, you know, get a house, settle down, you know, pay it off as soon as you can. But he's like, I had it paid off since I was 28, but it, you know, it didn't make me happy. So, so he regretted missing out on some of those. Yeah, he wished he did more, especially with us and more more enriching life experiences whether it's traveling or just getting out and you know because experiences cost money man so well not all of them but a, a lot do anyway so he wished he uh he capitalized on those a lot more and didn't stress so much about money i would say were his biggest ones yeah mm, that must have rubbed off on you 
Yeah, has now, big time. How did your relationship develop as you became a young man, sort of from when you started training in the gym together to like early 20s? Because you became more like friends, right? Yeah, so he was a very hands-on dad, like very hands-on. He'd help with like homework. He would, you know, he was, he was very vocal. Like that was one thing I was really grateful for. Like he was very vocal. Like he, um, he would openly say when he's made mistakes in life and how they've affected him. And he would be telling me that all the way from, you know, year eight onwards. Mm. Like don't do this, like don't do this, like try to avoid this stuff. But when I would make mistakes, he also wouldn't judge me for it, which was really good because it developed trust and so I could come to him, you know, and tell him a lot of things where I feel like a lot of my friends like would have to kind of conceal things from their parents. But with mm. me, I was always able to say like, yeah, I did this, like a messed up here and he'd be and like, that's so he then always, he'd be like, oh, we'll fix it this way. Because he always shared his own stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. After high school, about two years after high school, uh, we started to become mates. And yeah, it was a very different relationship after that. And it was, it was a lot, it was a lot, it was a lot better. Yeah. Hmm. How so? How did it change? I felt like I actually got to know him. Like I feel like um, before it was just him telling me, you know, how to do life and stuff like that. But then he started to, once I became a man, he started to tell me about all like his like hectic stories from his past and you know, how he thinks like on a daily basis and things like that. So I got to really know the ins and outs. Like, like uh, I know, I would know how he, how he thinks, which is good because uh, like when I've gone and seen my psychologist now, uh, one of the exercises he gets, he got me to do at the start, which was to help with like catharsis and stuff was like, he'd say, you know, if you like want to have a convers, like pretend like you have a conversation with yep. him in your head mm. and I guess if you really know a person deeply you'll kind of know what they'll they'll say, say to things yeah. so it was really good that we got to have that friendship because now I can kind of like hold on to the good parts in my mind and have him like live on in in my memory which I, I'm very very grateful for yeah do that in the gym big time it's like probably the only time I do it but yeah yeah it's like it's good what yeah. was the significance for the of the gym for you guys I think like because I said he had real bad fibro when he was younger. We didn't get to do like the normal stuff of like going to the park and things like that. Mm. And so when I got older and his fibro was getting better a little bit enough for him to be able to train more and stuff, he, uh, we both bonded over that. And we like, I mean, like I just used to see him training because we uh, had, had the gym in our house. So when I was like, you know, not even one years old, I'd be in the gym watching him. So <laughs> like, it's not, you know, humans like a model from what they yeah. see and stuff and yeah. uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and yeah I think like it was really good for our relationship as well because you know because of all his lack of sleep and stuff and I, I don't know if you've ever had any back pain but like you know you get a bit agitated mm. when you when you when you, yeah when you're sore you and stuff like that and, but in the gym it was always positive stuff like we always just tried to keep it positive so that was really good for our um our relationship and I'm really really grateful for all those all those times that I did get to have with him, for sure. How much of your passion for study was influenced by him? Did Probably all of it, anyway? man. Probably all of it. I just didn't... Um, I, I used to be a little bit upset in high school because I'd I'd be thinking, how come, like, he's so... Like, it's not... I started to realise it's not normal uh, to, to be how he was. 
And I felt really bad because he was suffering so much. And I just wanted to know why. And I think that's what, I guess, spurred my interest in, in understanding psychology. And, and yeah, it'd definitely be mostly because of him, I'd say. But he was an intellectual himself. He was, yeah. He had um, one test he got in the top 5% IQ and another one the top 8%. And so he was very, very smart. That was also his detriment, though, because... Like when I was trying to help him at the end, he like, you know, a king doesn't take um, advice from his soldiers, number one. But number two, because he was so smart and he'd get things quickly, he just couldn't be told mm. a lot of the time because he'd already like researched stuff himself. Like he was real smart. Like he could, yeah, he could proof, if he would proofread my assignment, he would understand like everything as okay. well. So yeah. But he was stubborn as well. Very stubborn. <laughs> very, yeah. very stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. So when did his mental health really start to go downhill? Because you said the, the fibro got a bit better there for a while. The mental health started to go really downhill once my parents split up. His biggest strength is family. And I think he, you know, he was able to get through all that stuff he told me because he always had his family with him. That was his reason. Yeah. And once mum left, he was, he was just shattered. And he, he started to just go, he like stopped training. He stopped taking care of himself. His anxiety went so bad. Like it was just, it started to get dark, like really fast. Like as soon as mum left, it was about a two month period where we thought like she might come back, she might not. But after that, when it was accepted that she wasn't, he even said to me, he's like, this is going to be like the first time you see your old man fall. And I was like... That made me worried because like, like uh, doing like honours in psychology is like a really stressful year. But I said to him, I don't want to do it this year, man. Like I, I would rather just like, because he's done so much for me, like so much, like couldn't even list how much he's done for me. Like I wouldn't have even gotten into honours if it wasn't for his support and everything like that that he yeah. gave me. And I'm happy to just take care of you this year and like, you know, I'll just work full time or something or work and, you know, just be here for you and stuff like that. And what, um, what did he say to that? He's like, because he's southern man, he just, he didn't want me to. Yeah. Like he was like, no, I didn't put all this effort in for you to just, to stop now. Like I'm not going to be the reason for that. I want you to keep going and stuff. And so I ended up dropping one subject to help him. And I was spend like, all last year was like, last year was real hectic because I had, that and all I was doing was putting my time into that but then like you know my a close mate of mine from primary school we were best mates in primary school and high school his and his dad was like a second dad to me he passed away and then I had a mate pass away then my mum got um through like after my, as soon as my parents split up then my mum got diagnosed with thyroid cancer and had to get it operated on and then my dad became suicidal and so like and then I'm doing honours at the same time and it's like it's way too overwhelming. And it's like so much like yeah. going on. And so I would just be like, after I got all of that stuff, there was a little bit of peace in that area. Then it was just focusing on like dad and study. And that's like literally all I did the entire year was just like talking to him. But it would be like every conversation I'm coming back, it'd be, you know, trying to keep him alive because of the conversations and I, f I saw like um one time I came back and he because he like he promised me that he would never he'd never do it and I came back one time and 
we have like this chin, this chin up bar and there was like a white rope tied like a noose and I took a photo of it and I sent it to my sister and I was like like do you think like he's like you know thinking about it or whatever and she's like no nah, surely not and I went and confronted him I didn't say about the noose because I didn't want to put like the idea into his head just in case it wasn't I asked him I was like you know you can't you can't do this like you know like it hasn't even been a, a year yet since you split up like things are going to get better man like you just have to you know you have to wait it out and he promised me he promised my uncle that he wouldn't do it but you know at the end it was it was too much for him man like you know I think anyone in his position may do that like you know a lot of people have asked me is like do you feel do you feel uh angry at your dad or do you are you stressed Oh, do you think you like is selfish and I don't like I don't think he was selfish at all like the amount of suffering that guy went through like it was a battle every day man for my whole life I've seen him it's like I don't know how like if anything he didn't do it sooner like it was a, it was a very hard 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 life and like even his fiber and stuff that's not even the half of it like the other stuff like I said I can't really say but like the, he he suffered like a lot and so for him to just get me and Victoria to like being self-sufficient and to get us like started in life, like I'm like just so grateful, man. And I, I said like to everyone, I was like, you know, if you had a crystal ball at the start of your life and you get to see that, you know, at 25, your dad's going to commit suicide, would you still pick that same dad? And I would pick him every single day of the week because of all of the things that he, uh, he did do for us. Yeah. Yeah, well, he was obviously so engaged and so involved and has played such a massive part into carving you into who you are today and who you want to be. And there's so many fathers, millions across the world who have no impact on their children's lives. So for that 25 years that he was there, it sounds like he was... Yeah, it was like a rich 25 years, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. So that year that you felt like you were trying to keep him alive by being sort of the only one of the only people that was having contact with him and trying to cheer him up and, and try to give him reasons to live on top of all the other stress that you were living with. How did you notice that affect you like physically and, and mentally as well? Like were you so oh, concerned was, with others was, that you didn't think I was about it? not like my, yeah, I was, I was stressed out to the max. Like um, the only other person I could console with was my uncle because he was there as well a lot of the time, his brother. And my sister, like us three, were like the the main people that were were helping him. My sister moved in with her boyfriend earlier, so I was the only one living with him and um, my missus. But yeah, just being in the environment was um was just so stressful, man. Like it was it was insane. Like I would it would be like two or three in the morning some nights, and I would just hear this like thump, and he'd. He literally would collapse, man, like a few times and I'd have to like lift him on the couch and his body's like fully shaking. Because of his anxiety? Yeah. He wouldn't He'd have been be saying like, there's no point, like I can't do it anymore, you know, like I just can't do it. And, I'd, and, it'd be, and like, you know, he'd be, I was stressed out that he was going to lose his job because he wasn't going to work because he was so, you know, depressed and everything. And oh, it was just, yeah, it was, and just seeing it was your, really hectic, man. Seeing your hero. Oh, position. it was so weird, man, because I always thought he was invincible. It was just like, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing, man. It was just not him. Like, I was just, I was like, what is happening? And given 
the way that he saw life and himself, he would have hated being that way too, like more than others. Yeah, big time. He would have hated that lack of control and, and feeling like, you know, he couldn't do anything to get past what all the things that he was struggling with. Like, there must have been part of him that felt like he'd failed, even though by all accounts he, he, he did. All. And he actually said that. And I said, you haven't failed at all, like not one bit. He literally felt, he literally actually said that in pretty much those exact words. And we just, me and Victoria would always tell him that you haven't, you've been like, you've, with the cards you were dealt, you've been like better than mm. what we could have ever imagined. And like we both told him like how, you know, he was the best dad and like not to be, yeah, not to be so hard on himself, but he just, yeah. So what happened with your own anxiety? Your cortisol levels must have been through the roof. So last year, they were really bad, man. Like they were just like, I was just, I was losing hair, stressing out so much. I was, it was, yeah, pretty insane. And um, I got sick of feeling that way. And Mm. so I just started to like research and watch a lot of interviews and things of like people in Syria and the types of problems that they have. And I know like this method wouldn't work for a lot of people, but for me it really did because, you know, like if you're living like in Adelaide, like it's really easy to just compare yourself. It's like, oh, you know, like, you know, you know your friends and stuff. And if their life happens to be easier at that time. And, you know, I think that can make you feel a bit weak inside because you're like, you start to think a little bit like, oh, why is it like this or whatever? And I didn't, I didn't like thinking like that. And so I started to, look a lot into to all these other countries where they have like really really hard adversities like much worse than myself and I started to think like you know what like if we're all genetically like 99.9% the same and these people can still be happy after going through that then you know maybe I can like take a little bit of that and start comparing myself to them instead of comparing myself to the people around me and I, I found that has been like one of the biggest helps because it stopped me from thinking like, oh, you know, poor me. It's like, no, someone's problems are always going to be worse. Sure, there's going to be people, people that have it better, but there's always also someone that, that is going to have it worse. So maybe be a little bit grateful for for what you have because like the the poor me thing, like with that, it's like, oh, you know, that I just, I just didn't like sitting with the anxiety and thinking because it just made me feel... It just made me feel so weak, man. And I started to think like, especially after he did it as well, I started to think because people would say to me like, they're like, oh, you know, man, like you seem like you're, you're dealing with it well. And I wasn't, I wasn't at all, but I just would always put on a front mm. with, and I still do this to an extent. Like, uh, cause like I your like, dad. Yeah. And like, and it makes you feel isolated because you're like, you know, you don't see me, you know, crying when I'm going to sleep and stuff at the same time. That's why I've kind of avoided seeing people because I don't, I know they come from a place of love and care and it's really beautiful. And I was overwhelmed from the amount of support that I had from everyone. But when someone is giving me sympathy and stuff, I, I don't really, I haven't really liked it because it makes me go back into that, to that weak kind of feeling, feeling. out of control. And, and it's just like, and I don't, and I really don't like that. And so mm. I just started to really think this year, it's like, yeah, these are the cards that have been dealt and you know just being like making it really blunt like i'm here and i haven't committed suicide which means that is a decision to live 
And so I have the will to live. And so if I'm making the active choice to stay alive, why am I going to prolong my suffering? Yeah. I'm not saying like it's all sunshine and rainbows and I don't care. Like, no, it's really hard, man. But every day I'm like working towards like, you know, like how can there are things that I can actively pursue to make my suffering less. Like, and I guess reading like, some people don't like stoicism, but I, I was do. I going to say that's a very stoic viewpoint. Yeah, there. I do. Control what you can control. And a lot of other different therapies and stuff that I've like obviously learned through my psychology degree and stuff like that, I've learned and I've taken bits and pieces from them that I've found to resonate with me. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I actively apply them in it. It's a lot of work, but, you know, why would I want to keep living like what's the point of just like like just accepting that your life is going to suffer like i know like see like the, it's like a double-edged sword again because a lot of like holistic views and other psychologists say that you know life is suffering like that's like what buddhism said and you know there's a lot of other little theories that have spurred on from that and it's like i guess to an extent you can say without being like a negative nancy that life is suffering because you know after the age of 35 you'll live the majority of your life and that's around the age where things start to degenerate, you know, you might experience cancer either yourself or vicariously mm. through someone else. So you're going to see, you're going yeah, to experience you, loss. More like, things go wrong. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you can't have an enriching and fulfilling life in between that. And I think like... It's like, what are you going to choose to focus on? Yeah, exactly, man. So I started to think rather than, you know, either living in my mind of the memory of what was of like, oh, when I had, you know, dad was there and this was good or preempting the future and living in my imagination mm. of oh my god i can't believe i have to live like 50 60 70 mm. whatever it is so more years without him depress just depression and anxiety yeah. yeah just just live just try every time to just bring yourself to the present and just try to live one moment at a time that's how i've been dealing with it i i guess yeah well you're talking about regaining control over your life yeah and finding a way to do that which there's no right way to no, do that, is there? No. There's no, there's a lot of different textbooks, yeah. but there's no one manual for this is how you cope. No, yeah, exactly. And that's what makes dies. it hard because you have to find out what works for you and you know mm. what works, what this stuff might not work for many other people. But this mm. is yeah, what but you're just sharing your experience yeah. and yeah. saying, yeah, and you're the one that has to live as you. Yeah, and exactly. Has to go about the world as that. And I understand, well, I don't understand it on the level that you do, but I can think about what it would feel like to feel weak and feel hopeless for such a prolonged period of time or feel like just sick of feeling sorry for yourself when you're not when you've been taught by your dad and and the man you've made yourself is extremely capable and well-rounded and the kind of person who finds a way you know so you weren't going to not find a way because like you said if you make the choice well i'm gonna i'm still here and i still want to live then why put yourself through more psychological distress than yeah. is necessary and there'd be people that would say oh well that wouldn't work for me or that's wrong for this reason but i think everyone has to like you said has to find out a way to navigate these things themselves and make that make sense in your own head so that you yeah, can keep going exactly man yeah one of the biggest lessons i guess i learned from dad now that i think about it was because like for the people that like don't know like he was you know, he was six foot four. He had like one of the best natural physiques. He had an IQ in like the top 
between five to eight percent. He was good looking. He had all these opportunities thrown in, like playing um, NFL for the Crows. He was asked um, acting, modeling, went back and studied. Even with all the fibro, he went back and studied Bachelor of Health Science to try to get into medicine whilst doing full-time work and looking after Victoria and I with my mum and everything and got straight HDs, you know. So from an outside perspective, like you could say like the bloke had it all, like, you know, but it didn't, he would, he told me like, like that's not what made him happy. It's just that, I forgot how exactly he said it, but he said that if you always put others way before yourself and you just, cause that's what he was like. He was just so selfless and he just gave to everyone else. When he had the adversity that came at the end, he had nothing to fall back on because he didn't, cause Victoria and I were growing up. So his sense of responsibility of that wasn't there anymore. And he was doing a job that he didn't like, that didn't co-align with his values and his interests. And so when mum left, there was, there was nothing. Mm. Like you can say, oh, you know, you've got the gym, but you know, the gym is only so much, man. It's not like it's gonna be your entire life kind of thing. So he wished he had actually pursued his interests. And so I would say like for anyone else listening, for like one of the biggest things for resilience from what I've learned from him is like, yeah, pursue what you wanna do because I think like if you're like doing something active that, you know, like what you're doing, man, like, like you enjoy doing this, like this is probably like no, really something that's really fulfilling. Yeah, really yeah. fulfilling and stuff. Do, if you enjoy it and you get enjoyment out of it, do that because, you know, that's going to be at least something you can target your, your energy into and it will provide a lot of resilience when, you know, shit, shit does hit the fan in other things. If you think of your life like a pie or whatever, if it's like, wrong here, wrong here, wrong here. At least you got like this Something one. Something to hold like, on to. And yeah. for him, that was his family. But once yeah. that had, you know, you guys had grown up and then he separated, that that was taken away yeah. in a way, in his mind. And then the terrible pain he was in as well, you know, it's just, it would have been so overwhelming to try to live with all of those things. So I think anyone could have sympathy for that. Yeah. yeah. But he wouldn't have wanted that. <laughs> no. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, how, did, how did you react when he did take his life. I was really shocked because two months before he did it, I had to move out and live with my mum because it was getting too hectic and I needed an extension on my thesis. And so I got the extension because of how, like, how hectic everything was. And um, I just needed to be able to, I was really behind on my study and I needed to just be able to focus on finishing it. And I said to him, I was like, you know, as soon as this is done, I'm going to do all your cooking, all your washing, all you're going to need to do is just go to work and come back. Because we did, the, we ate the same stuff. So it would, it was, I would have done it anyway, even if he didn't, but like, it wouldn't be much of an effort. Like it wasn't going to be hard for me to, to just do that for him after everything he's done for me. Like I'll do everything for him. But I said, you just got to hold on until I come back and I would visit him once a week. So we did that and I submitted my thesis on the Friday, but my missus and I, a year and a half ago had booked a holiday for the Sunday. So I went and saw him on, so I submitted on the Friday, went and visited him on the Saturday, which is the last time I saw him. And I was going to be flying to Queensland on the Sunday. And, you know, we had this really like long conversation because we always talked about like once I was, uh, once I was finished, we'd start a YouTube channel and it'd be like lifting like father and son but like mental health and that like just you know because we'd always have a laugh and yeah. have good conversations and stuff we just thought yeah we'll just make one or whatever and 
like just joked about like oh imagine if you know one time you got on joe rogan or something like that it'd be funny as like because we used to like watch youtube and stuff together and stuff so it was we, we were just fantasizing about that like starting to train together because yeah you know, for the last two years as well we didn't get to really train because i'd work nights and so it was all gonna like i was gonna move, be moving to days and it was all gonna work out so well and so i was like so g'd up when i was going to queensland i was like you know like because I've been worried about him the whole year. I was like, you know, when I come back, things are going to start getting better. It's fucking awesome. Like, and I was like, so like over the moon, but I went to Queensland and, and also the two weeks before, cause he was really dark the whole, the whole year. And he was like really known at the gym. And a lot of guys were coming up to me at the time saying, man, your dad's like seeming a lot better. Like it's, it's good. You know, he's cracking jokes and stuff again. Like it's like old Steve again, you know? I was like, yeah, he, he does look better. Like he's actually going to the gym, you know, taking his, yeah. And I went to to Queensland and three quarters of the way through, I get this, I'm at this like thing with my mum at this restaurant and um, yeah, I get the call and I was just like, I, I couldn't believe it. Like I was just, I was just in shock because like my head was like, like if he'd done it three months earlier, like I would have, I wouldn't have been so shocked, man. But cause he was so, on the up and everyone was saying that he was on the up it just was so blindsiding but i think i think in hindsight looking back i knew he was going to he was going to do it now because he every time i'd visit him he'd always walk out and stuff and you know we didn't really say like father and son like a lot of the time like you know i love you and stuff like that but he gave me a big hug and not the last time I saw him, but a few times before he said, you know, I love you. And I think he was, he was crying when he said, he's like, I'm sorry for, you know, yelling and, you know, being harsh when I was younger and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like, don't worry about it, man. Like, it's made me better for it anyway. Like, it's fine. And I think he was thinking about doing it then, then he didn't, umming and ahhing. And my sister said the same thing when he was visiting, when she would visit, like, he would be like walking her out and just lingering there kind of thing. So I think like he just picked like, you know what, when we was in Queensland, I'll do it. That way he doesn't need to be, yeah, maybe he was thinking that he, I didn't have to be the one to find to him find or, him, Vic yeah. or Victoria. Unfortunately, like my uncle found him and it's just not what you want to find, man. Mm. And, um, and yeah, so it's, uh, and that's been like really tough. And so, um. You yeah felt, you felt like it was all about to be better though yeah which is like why wow, i've just still haven't like i'm still in uh i'd say probably like you know how they say that you got those like those stages of grieving like it's not like yeah. it's like a linear progression yeah, like i come up to acceptance and i'm still in denial though most of the time man because mm -hmm. i think like i still can't comprehend it like it's just yeah most of the time like you just start fantasizing about like oh you know like how do you make a time machine yeah <laughs> Because I get especially it, after the after the dreams and stuff, it's like yeah. But I think it's something that I think a big part of it is incomprehensible, to a degree. Like I don't think having lost someone to suicide as well. I don't think, and that was years ago now, that you can get to a point where you. Well, I don't think I can. Like maybe it's because you can't fully understand every part of it because they are the only people that have that ultimate answer within themselves and you drive yourself mad trying to work it out. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem like you you might ever be able to fully comprehend it. And yeah. I think that that's partly because of the love you have for that that person. 
And it, you also can't comprehend that they're not ever going to be in your life physically again, that part of it as well. So. Yeah, that's definitely um, a big a big one, yeah. How long has it taken for you to feel like yourself again? To be honest, man, I still don't feel like 100% myself. Like I'm not... Um, like I said, man, I feel I feel real real bad because um, I've been overwhelmed with like the love and support from everyone, trying to reach out and stuff. But I haven't been a very good person, I guess, like because I haven't taken anyone up on their offer, and I've kind of actively avoided socialising. So because I haven't been myself, I finished my uni on last week, and like I spoke with my psychologist, who's very good, and I and he said, you know. Like in good time, you can start to socialize with people, like just in short bouts and stuff like that. It'd be better for you. And so I did that like last night. And I felt nice. I saw like one of my best mates that I haven't seen for quite a few months and stuff. Other times I'll just catch up with like people at the gym because that was easy. Because mm-hmm. you know you keep the conversations light sure. and yeah. and stuff like that. So that's been okay, mm-hmm. and that's been nice. But yeah, in terms of actual catching up, I haven't done a whole lot of that this year only like a handful of times so you don't need to feel any guilt over that man no i know but i just feel bad but i would say like i wish i did do it more i think i think um it it's more helpful than yeah it would be more helpful so like less time alone yeah and i think it would make me more similar to myself because you're quite an outgoing person yeah sort of before this and well before this yeah, yeah. I, I was um this year, I'd say I'd probably be one of the biggest yeah, introverts exactly. ever. But, but I yeah. guess I suppose part yeah. of you feeling more like yourself would be acting more like you did before this happened. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely, definitely. But why why have you withdrawn? Because I I felt flat, like so much. Um, it was like with like grieving and stuff. I, I just feel... Just drained. I just feel drained and I feel like uh, I would have to really try to converse I think because I'm used to being I'm normally like um, like my friends like the really energetic one like yeah. on almost too energetic yeah and from going from that to this it's like I couldn't be that but I, even trying to just be like normal all the time was I found it a lot of effort man just yeah. completely emotionally yeah. drained yeah yeah definitely well yeah. just such a devastating thing to live with and then still the pressure of doing your studies and and everything else I can I can understand that you know feeling like well I can't be me anyway and I just I don't have anything left to give to be able to go out and be this this social person like that makes sense yeah yeah that would be um that would be yeah hitting the nail on the head so where do you feel like you're at with that now I've just started to just yeah just trying to put into place like a lot of things that make me happy to make things I guess a little bit less shit and which is good because I can like I I can see like you know that like a lot of other people have a lot worse problems and they're they've still gotten out of it and you know thank it's as bad as it is to say like thankfully for me it's a bit of a selfish thing to say but I've had a few other of my mates dads commit suicide and I have seen and they're like older than me and I've seen them like you know build a business and a family and they're happy now and that's been really motivational for me like to see that you know there's light at the end of the tunnel and that you can still 
you know, live a, live a good life. So I've been trying to like put, you know, taking bits of advice from them and what well, helped them and, you know, things like that. And, you know, when it gets better and don't expect too much and, you know, all of that stuff. And it's been really insightful for me to, you know, to have that. And so that's helped me, I guess, come back more to myself a little bit as well, which I've been very, very grateful that I've been surrounded with people with, you know, similar experience that I can, uh, I can relate to and stuff like that. And what's so. your goal with psychology? I want to become a clinical psychologist and I would like to specialize in suicide, hopefully helping others that are thinking about doing it, but also helping others that have um, experienced like a loved one go and that can't really comprehend it. I'd, I'd really like to, you know, once I work out what, like w once I've fixed myself and I can, you know, I know like my story, I guess won't be like transparent for everyone else, but you know, just be able to be there for them and, you know, tell them that it, it's gonna be okay. That would be a really nice and rewarding career, I think, yeah. And then having learned what you learned from your dad, but then also seeing what he regretted in life, how has that impacted the man you want to be and what you want to make your life about? I want, I think like his selflessness, I want to take on board, but like expand it to like the wider uh, community, I would say. I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to, because my, like all the boys, like if they'd have a problem or something, they would always ask dad. He was very good with advice. All his friends would go to him for advice as well. He just wasn't good at following his own advice. I guess I'd like to do that on like a, on a large scale, but help, help anyone that is experiencing this and just help them build resilience. Basically, I feel like, yeah, with resilience, whether it's mental or physical, it doesn't really matter. Like just little bits at a time. I'll, 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 yeah. I just want to help people very simply just build resilience and live the best life that they can possibly with the cards that they've been dealt yeah thanks for sharing that story bro because yeah. when i was preparing for it, even writing the questions and reading your eulogy and thinking about it i thought man it must have been hard to get through that eulogy and then to be in your position talking to me about this today and to get through it so articulately and thoughtfully like you did there i just i think that takes incredible strength in itself as the past year has too and the, way, Thanks, the fact that you've had to get through it in whatever way you needed to, to to get through it is just completely understandable and you need to forgive yourself if you feel any kind of guilt over that and the people who love you understand that and want to be there for you and I've got no doubt that you will feel 100% like yourself again in the future and, yeah, uh, and you carry on all the best that. things about your dad and then you'll probably be able to adjust in certain areas where he ultimately felt like he would have made different decisions you know so yeah. i know he was tremendously proud of you and he should be and uh, and everyone who's in your life is man so just yeah means a lot thanks bro yeah and it's you'll make a fantastic psychologist one day soon as well and thanks man yeah so thanks bro it's in it's really yeah it's a beautiful thing to be able to speak about and uh it's just so it's been so tough so yeah just proud of you as well man Thanks, bro. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Cool. That's it for this episode. Thanks to our local business supporters, Heard Financial and First National Real Estate. Making these podcasts isn't cheap and we can't do it alone. If you'd like to become a supporter, please send an email to callum at youngbloodmedia.com.au. If you're getting some value out of the show, please give us a quick rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really helps us out. 
You can watch every episode in studio quality video on Spotify and our YouTube channel, Youngblood Men's Mental Health. We go by the same name on Instagram and Facebook and follow Youngblood Mental Health on TikTok. Subscribe to our e-news through our website, youngbloodmedia.com.au. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone who needs to hear it. We're all in this together. Catch you next time.